It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everyone? Ben Standick here for another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. This is the uh, Carpool Wizard Oki version because I just watched a Wizards game with various Wizard-interested folks, including friend of the podcast, uh, Adam Rubin, a.k.a. Liddell's Place on Twitter, and I'm driving him home, and we're, I, told him, I, may, I told him if I'm coming out, we're doing a podcast, but for logistics purposes, we're just going to do it now because, you know, it's getting late. Uh... But you don't care about that. What you care about is what do we think about that Wizards game, Adam. First of all, Adam, how are you doing? That was a very intense game at a lot of levels. There was the fight between Bradley Beal and Draymond Green. I say fight in air quotes. Uh, the, the, there was so many interesting plays late. The Warriors took the lead. The Wizards almost came back, but not quite the headshots late. Where are you right now? How, are you, you need, like, a sedative? You need a stiff drink? Like, where are you at? Well, I didn't think that they could top the Lakers game, so I was I was happy it was an exciting game. Uh, I've come down a little bit since the end of the game, so I was at a high towards the end, <laughs> peaked when Wall stepped back for that three, and then I've just sort of crashed since then. The uh, right, I mean, it, it, at the end of the year, I'm sure there'll be a better Wizards game because there'll be one like that where they win. But like in terms of like the excitement level, that's the game will be on one end of the spectrum, and the Lakers game may be on the uh, on the the complete bottom of the other. That's just complete bore fests. Uh, relative, especially relative to the hype. There was no issue with that here. Uh, before we go big picture, I guess let's, let's talk a little bit about the game. Um, I guess we can just go from the start. The Wizards, unlike this year, they have not had a complete game yet. Like to me, they haven't had enough games where they look sharp, focused, intense, whatever you want to term you use, uh, throughout. This was as close as they came. It started early on. Uh, Kelly Oubre was making a bunch of shots early. The, you know, the starters as a whole were setting the tone that they were out there both on both ends of the court. So I think early on, and they got up to a what, double digit lead. Well, that, that came in the second quarter, I guess. But you know, th- that start, I think, sort of set the tone for the game, and they were able to keep it up for the most part. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, the shooting was incredible. So when the combination of Washington's making their threes and Golden State's missing their threes, so. Yeah, they were 11 for 18 from three in the first half. Ubre was hitting, hitting all over the place. And, uh, yeah, this was not a Golden State, whatever, this was not a great Golden State performance overall. This was not Wizards at their best. I, I guess, you know, l- let me back it up here. I just realized I am sleeping, I guess, on the big story, right? The bigger story was the fight. The, t- the great bear hug of 2017. <laughs> right. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues with that. One, what happened? Two, what did it mean for the game? And three, what does it mean going forward? In the moment, uh, you'll, you've seen the highlight by now, so you don't need me to sort of go through it all. Um, the question, I guess, will be, you know, did Beal, 
when he goes to wrap his arm around Draymond and he gets him up by the head, it didn't look to me like he threw a punch, but his hand did land in, the, in his face. Right, contact. There was contact to the head. Yeah, and so the question is, you know, what did, is what Draymond a shove the sort of the, the elbow to, the, to Beal's gut? Was that over the line too much? And Beal reaction. Um, so in the moment, they both they tussle. More the right right from the Wizards bench, they all come out. Or, well, I shouldn't say they all. A few of them came out. We'll come back to that in a second. The guy uh, who is one of their security members, who's John Wall's pal, goes by Flav. He gets out there. When he sort of gets into the – they're trying to break them up a little bit. It looked like from the angle we saw sort of his momentum helped sort of knock them over. So it went from them sort of bear-hugging each other to now this thing on the floor. And now when it hits the floor, uh, Kelly Oubre is coming over. Some people think he was throwing some punches. Maybe one of them hit Wall. <laughs> Marquis Morris, you you were noticing, came way out there multiple times uh, to, to to be part of it, and it turned into it completely turned uh, changed the tone of the game at a point where the Wizards were about fifty seconds away uh, going into halftime, feeling really good about themselves, up about 14, 16 points. They were really controlling the game, and that really turned the focus from the Wizards winning to oh snap, something has happened. Yeah, it looked like most of the players involved, it was more grabbing and trying to separate people as, as opposed to punches thrown. I've seen on Twitter some statements that uh, Ubre had thrown a punch. I didn't see it on the, the replay. So I think most, I think everyone will survive a suspension who was involved in the scuffle. There might be issues with the people leaving Washington's bench, but I guess, um, yeah, it, it changed the game. It changed the tone of the game. Now, of course, I believe it was Durant came down and hit a three right after that, but Wall ended the half hitting a three, which was a big shot to sort of put him back up uh, 14, I guess, at the time. Um, but it's unfortunate because you have to imagine they were on their way to putting together a, a, a complete game or at least a, a chance of putting together a nice, complete game uh, as we're – as Ben is avoiding possessions in the, in the middle of the street here. Um, that's why we had some silence for a second. I didn't know if I was going to have to uh, testify in a manslaughter, particular manslaughter case. Hey, uh, I, I was uh, I was giving them the bribe. I, yeah, I, I saw nothing. Um, the uh, – the so it – I don't know. The whole thing was bizarre because it really was just a bear hug situation, a standing bear hug transitioning into – a full embrace on the ground. No punches were thrown because it was sort of a hockey fight when you get the uh, jersey over the head type thing. They couldn't their, – their arms weren't free to throw any punches. In fairness to Draymond, I mean, he's obviously a very intense player. Beal's arms did come up. like well, It came from behind, and so it hits him in the head. He doesn't necessarily know in the moment what happened. He reacts to it. Now, again, I'm not saying that uh, Beal should get a 10-game suspension or that Draymond, who later was just continually irate when he was getting thrown out there, both did um, – I'm not saying he wasn't overreacting to some degree, but I'm just saying I sort of can understand from his perspective when you're getting hit from behind in the face. Um, his point that he, his quote that he made to an ESPN reporter during the game, like he's just, this is, he has no issue with Beal. He has an issue with the league. He's getting singled out. I mean, that's a bit much. He gets singled out because he keeps doing, he keeps putting himself in these positions. Well, I'll call your defense of Draymond Green nonsense. Uh, Ooh. he, they're giving him fairness of benefit of the doubt. Beal's arm, Beal's hand hit him 
possibly hit him in the face from behind. Uh, yeah, and then his quote is, what else am I supposed to do? What What else am I supposed to do other than just bear hug a guy? Yeah, and, wait, and, no, I'm not saying what happened after that. I'm just no, saying so, I'm in, saying terms of, in terms of Draymond turning on Beal. It wasn't a big deal is what I'm saying. Yes, he his hand was up in his face, yeah, the yeah. area, but yes, th- th- there's no I'm just need. saying I understand why Draymond got, no, got, got no, angry. No, but... It, Angry, maybe you can say, "Hey, I'd like him to move his hand away from my face," but that's the extent of it. You you go down court. It was not. It was that that people get wrapped up like that, you know, all the time. So that was not something that warranted any type of response from Draymond. He could have walked right back down the court. Nothing needed. Uh, nothing needed to be done. Uh, uh, hey, listen, that's 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 why you have me on the podcast. I'm right. giving you I mean, a, a have, different point of view. Look, yeah. You know, we have different codes of the street. I guess I'm just saying. <laughs> Hand to the face coming from behind, and you're some, you're a hothead like Draymond. I'm not surprised that he did what he did. But in any event, what what it did for the game was they both got ejected. And I told you, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You and I were uh, watching the game. We got there a little early to watch some of the World Series. And, and I said to you that I think that when you look at Golden State, if you could sort of take one of them off the court, I said it would be Draymond Green because while the other three guys are, are good and, and in case of Durant Curry, probably better players, what they do is somewhat replaceable. I mean, shooting the open three, Draymond, the Swiss Army knife of it, of it all, rebounds, assists, he's blocking Gortat inside, he's leading the break. That's harder. But I'm talking in a general sense. A trade-off of Green with Beal is not ideal for the Wizards, uh, you know, they until especially without Marky Morris already, they just don't have enough guys. Um, so that was ultimately a bad trade off there. Now the Wizards held on to a lead, a double digit lead, pretty much the whole third quarter. It got down to think ten going into the fourth. Um, you know, sort of slow chip away, and the Wizards kept uh, John Wall on the bench for the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, which to me seemed just a lot of a long time, especially with no Beal. Now, Otto did uh, a decent job of, of, of sort of taking control, and Ubre was making some plays. Um, but th- th- that, to me, was sort of an interesting point in the game. If, if, we're, if we're all about wolf season, if the whole point of wolf season is to be out there, to do what you have to do, all that, I don't quite get why John Wall's not out there with the Wizards clinging to a lead in the fourth quarter with no Beal. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting decision. Well, he jumped up from the bench, I think about a minute before he got in the game, he, w- he was waiting to get in. And that's one of the stretches where I thought Brooks could have called a timeout uh, earlier and could have bought some time and got Wall in into the game before, uh, before you know, five minutes going by. But uh, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Because when Wall came back in, he made some nice plays at the end, those two driving layups, but he also was pressing a little bit. He t- took a couple bad shots. He took a jumper, a, th- a three-pointer he didn't need to take when the shot clock was running down because, you know, Gortat, there's miscommunication on setting a pick, so Wall just went ahead and took a three. Um, so, I mean, I, I, they were holding the lead, or at least not hemorrhaging the lead completely, so 
I guess I understand Brooks thinking that maybe Wall can't handle after playing the whole third quarter. I believe he did. I guess he didn't want to put Wall in for the ten and a half minutes to close out the fourth. I mean, I, I guess I can at least I can understand where where he's coming from there. I guess from from, our, from where we were, I wasn't keeping track of timeouts. But you made a point at some point, like you know what, you just got to use these timeouts for rest more than you do for uh, you know even like momentum. And I don't know. I guess I just would, uh, unless I'm missing, I don't think they had two timeouts. I think they had more than that. I would have just tried to figure out a way to keep him on the court, keep him fresh, um, you know, pick your moments. But, okay, you know, it is, you, the end result was that the, the – I can't say they held the lead. I mean, they did keep chipping away. They just weren't losing at that point. I think I think the the, the, the loss of the lead came after Wall. Yeah. Not to say it was him. I'm just saying, the, the, you know, it became a point where the dam was breaking and, you know, you kind of just knew where things were, uh, were, were headed up. Let's get to just the last couple minutes, and then we'll get to some other stuff here with this game. But um, there was a point where John Wall wasn't – where Otto was the one making plays. John was not as putting the stamp on the game, so to speak. Then he goes to the basket a couple of times really nicely, uh, gets the lead. The, the Golden State that was beating the Wizards to the basket was Kevon Looney, uh, one of their big men that you used to fill in against the um, – with Draymond out, the Wizards – uh, couldn't quite contain him, which is a weird statement to say. But uh, uh, they, they Meeks hits a big, big three. They're down one. They get the ball with about ten seconds to go. Uh, oh no, no, wait. Uh, Durant, uh, Durant hit a couple free throws. They get the ball back with like ten seconds to go. They get a three point shot off to Wall. It looked like maybe Otto had a better look. Then it looked like Wall had a better look before he pumped, but he missed. They get the ball back. Couldn't really get off a good shot. Jody Meeks sorta of did. And they missed the game. Any, uh, just rambling through this game now. Any, any part of that last sequence to you? Any, any form of it that, uh, that you recall being particularly interesting? Well, I thought definitely I would have liked to have seen Otto when he came off the dribble. He, he had a shot he could have put up, especially having, you know, made seven threes. I would have liked to have seen him put it up over Durant instead of Wall, but it's fine. He made the right pass to Wall. Uh, I would have liked to have seen someone else other than Mike Scott inbounding the ball at the end. He just seemed to, to hesitate and doesn't, doesn't seem to me to be like the best passer. I sort of like to have the best guy out inbounding when there's 1.1 seconds left. I think the inbounder is just, is the most important person on the court. Well, you know, it's funny because the last game against the Lakers, you know, when everybody's talking about the John Wall, uh, last second decision to shoot the three, let's not forget Kelly Uber threw the ball into him. I'm not saying that that was the best move. I'm saying it felt weird that Ubre was the one throwing it in, but Otto was out, and that was something I thought about going into this game. So it's interesting you're talking about that type of play again. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of that, I don't know. Yeah, the Wizards had the, the ball. Yeah, six people. So. Yeah, the six people. They call timeout. They're down three. Drew up a play. Spent the right. Everyone in the huddle was watching the play being drawn up. Right, <laughs> and we're walking out, and they're walking out of the court, and you look at them, you're like. Wait a minute. Who's out here? Cause like, you're like, well, this guy's out here and this guy's out here. Basically, they pulled Ubre off while he was on the court. Um, which in and of itself I thought was interesting because it felt like this was, and I'll come back to him and Ubre in a second, but Ubre would have been making threes. He's having a pretty good game. He certainly has tons of energy. He's also a bit kooky at times. And maybe you're just like, oh, I don't know about him in the last couple seconds. And you want Mike Scott. I thought it was just interesting that, that he's the one that got pulled. I kind of thought you would have stayed with him, especially just the way he'd been making threes tonight. Yeah, I guess. At least it, in the first half. I, I guess it was Mike Scott versus Ubre. I guess, was, was the question of who would be on the court. Because they, they wanted Gortat, and he had actually, on that play, on the inbounds, he had a great pick, sort of like a Nene pick, where he just, it wasn't legal. But, you know, 
they're not going to call it. So he just took out, you know, two guys to, to free up Otto. So you wanted to have Gortat on the court just to free things up. And and I guess Ubre sat there while the play was being drawn up, and he, he thought the Mike Scott play was, was him. And so he just went out there and uh, went out there when the whistle blew. But, I don't, yeah, I would take Ubre over Mike Scott at that point just because Mike Scott – Ubre was in rhythm and making threes. But, you know, I guess that's – I mean, Mike Scott can make a three, but yeah. just at this point you needed a three. And I, and, I, and I don't have the final stats in front of me. I know Ubre started four for four. Definitely quiet, got quieter as the game went along. But, you know, it still seemed like – in any event, um, the Wizards lose 120-117. That means they're now one and two on this road trip. There's one game left Sunday in Sacramento. We'll see – who's suspended or not. Now, we mentioned the Bradley Beal situation. I mentioned Marquise Morris, who's still hurt, obviously. He came off the bench. Carrick Felix was way off the bench. Your man, Carrick Felix. Yes, my guy, Carrick Felix. Um, so, I don't know. You know, none of them – well, Felix didn't get into the scrum, but he was so far off the bench. It's an automatic like, eject, uh, suspension. Right. So, so that seems like he would be off. Now, Grant, he hasn't – I don't think he's played a real minute this year. So, but – that said, if Bradley Beal doesn't play, if he's suspended, if that comes down quick, you know, the Wizards will be in something of an all-hands-on-deck situation. Um, so that'll be interesting. And if you don't have Beal, you know, Sacramento's a team that doesn't have, uh, you know, a great star, but they've, they, I watched them play the other night against the Pelicans, and they're going like 9, 10 deep. They've got like, everybody's averaging from like, you know, 13 points a game to like 8 points a game. Garrett Temple's one of those guys. Scalabissier, he's making plays. Well, you also got George Hill and, and uh, Fox in the backcourt, and that's that's a formidable backcourt if you're, you know, you like to have Beal and Wall right. going against them. So anyway, so that so that you know, you, you win you, you win in Sacramento, you close this thing up at two and two. You know, all things considered, you take it, uh, right? You know, Denver's a good win, so on. So you, you take it, you move on. But to you know, lose to Sacramento is in play at least if Beal is out. Otherwise, you would think that the Wizards would get this done if they, as long as they keep the focus they had in this game and don't revert back to the team that looked lethargic against the Lakers. Well, certainly if they leave again, we're we're looking ahead. And if you assume a win against Sacramento, um, if they do come home two and two, with the only two losses being the Lakers and Golden State, two games that they very well should have won and lost big leads, but that that's not. That's not necessarily a bad place to be. There certainly would be holes, things that need to be fixed, but you would be okay, I think, coming back two and two with those two types of of losses. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I I, I, I would agree. Now, let's get to some bigger picture stuff here. And, you know, I don't believe in moral victories at the professional level. And so we're not going to go there. At the end of the day, this is... Another game in which the Wizards have blown a big lead. This is basically, I think in every game they've had a double-digit lead. Denver one, I'm sort of blanking on, but I think that's right. Yeah. And I say blow the lead, even if they didn't maybe lose it all, the, all of it, it got down to where, you know, it's a final possession type situation. So that's a trend that continues, and, and just because it's Golden State, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, that said, there were two things I thought about this game that, to me, if you want to look up at the, as the Wizards as an NBA contender, two things that, th- that stood out to me why I think you can do that for sure. One... 
We mentioned Otto Porter. I mean, he's making shots all over the place, and he wasn't just getting set up by John Wall. He's driving. He he he's making plays in transition. Um, he he had a, a point there in the fourth quarter where he hit two threes in a row, and it was like it was like if Golden State had done that, the roof would bl- would be blowing off. The people were going crazy. It was like Durant, Otto did it, and you know it's on the road. It was really impressive to see him take control. Like you said, maybe he might have been the best player in the game today. He at least, at, at, at the worst, he was a guy that you could say if you're the Wizards, you know what, even with Beal on the court and just Wall, he's somebody that can take more control of this game. We weren't saying that about Otto last year. That was the big question. Was was, was Otto going to go next level where he could get his own, take more control of the game? I'm not putting him, you know, again, it's all relative. Not 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 putting saying he's Kevin Durant, but he 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 went next level to me tonight on that on that front in the in the biggest spot, and that, and that's a big sign for me. Yeah, I think if you look at Otto showing that he can be more than just the uh, you know a third wheel, he can carry the offense. That's what they need for the second unit. That's their big issue. And I think piggybacking on that, Ubre showed that. He can be a 25 to 30 minute guy and be in your, you know, top seven rotation. There's, you know, there's still a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde in Ubre where he'll, he, he made a couple dumb mistakes. He had some, a couple great plays of one, one play on defense against Durant at the end underneath where he stripped him, then got the ball free. But on one of those Kevin Looney, uh, dunks, fast break dunks, that it happened because Ubre went, for a steal in the backcourt for no reason was completely out of position. So when they broke the press, they got a dunk. And it's those little things where he has to maintain his composure over the entire well, 48 let's not, minutes. Let's not forget the worst play of the game. Well, okay. The, yeah. the, the, the Warriors had like two or three shots at a three. The Wizards, he gets the rebound, Ubre, And, you know, gonna, the Wizards are up at this point, you know, had a chance to build on, build on the lead some more. And he inexplicably throws the ball into like double coverage. Golden State picked it up and scored. That was a terrible play. But through three quarters, I mean, th- this was this was like to, to use a uh, twi- a Twitter uh, uh, meme kind of thing. Th- this it felt like this was going to be the game where Kelly Oubre became president. Well, I would also <laughs> since you're picking out his worst play, I would say what would be one of the greatest plays I've seen if it had been completed was after Curry got the rebound when Golden State was up one and. He used all seven foot, two inches of his wingspan to, to, to swipe it from Curry. He just missed getting the recovery, but he was about to inches from stealing it and dunking to give Washington the two point lead. So little things like that where it wasn't a completed play, but you can see that that was, you know, he was sort of on the cusp of, of an incredible play right there. So that's, that, that's a situation where he's, he's capable of such highs and, but even and that, like, lows. but he did like, like he made, like we don't have to look at this game and think, well, he almost did stuff. He was doing oh, yeah. stuff through three quarters. I mean, he was making threes all over the place. There was a point it felt in the second quarter where the bench is in. It's basically Ubre and, and and four guys coming off the bench, and you're like, oh boy, here's the wheels are about to fall off. And they gave the starters real time, and it felt like Ubre's presence, confidence that, that he was, yeah, you know, look, he again he makes mistakes, but like it just felt like. Similar to how we're saying with Otto, that Otto was able to sort of take control of the game a little bit. It felt like Ubre was able to a little bit as well. And mind you, whenever Golden State is playing, some combination, especially in the first half, you had of, of Durant and Curry and Clay and Draymond were on the court. So when the Wizards are going Ubre and four bench guys, they're not out there against five guys named Mo. And, and and the Wizards kept the lead, and I thought that Ubre did a good job. He kept it up a little into the third. Again, I don't have the stats in front of me. The fourth quarter, though, you know. He, he, 
I don't know if the game got a little too big for him, but we, we, you know, you know, his his reaction to the Beal and Draymond fight uh, incident. You know, he's going in there, whether he technically threw a punch or not, he clearly went in there with some aggressive int- intentions as opposed to just trying to be a peacemaker. Um, he, you mentioned one of those plays where he's going for a steal. You know, he just he, he still makes so many of these youthful mistakes. But again, for me, the bigger takeaway is it's a game where he shows you. At the level he's getting to a little more consistently is what the Wizards need if they really want to think about winning like 55 games this year. Yeah, he's he's 21, right? So uh, I believe, and you have to look at the cap situation Washington has. There, there's they don't have the money to go out and get another player. They don't have many assets they can do to pick up a, a, a mid-season player like a Marquise Morris, like like they normally do. So really, Uber is the internal development they need to add a rotation guy. Otto improved, but he was already a rotation guy. Uber is the guy who needs to become a 25 to 30 minute rotation guy. And, and so far this season and, and this game, that's what he's becoming. So that's what I think what you're saying in terms of the big takeaways of Otto being that third guy and Uber now being a rotation guy. And those were the question marks coming into the season because the improvement had to come from within internally. They needed to create an eight man rotation, which they didn't have last season. So the fact that with uh, Bogdanovich gone, the fact that Ubre can take play that role, and Otto can be a three in a big three, which you don't like to use that term, but he can be that third scorer. You know, th- those are the big takeaways for me. Well, like, even beyond like the fact that you could have like a guy you could play, it's that Ubre. You know, my take on Ubre has always been Otto is the better player. Two years ago, people were trying to tell me Ubre was should have been starting. I was like, stop. Last year, people were trying to tell me Ubre should be starting. I was like, stop. If you told me that today, I would tell you to stop. But with Ubre, with his crazy length and athleticism, the sky is the limit to a degree. I don't think, you know, he's going to have to improve his instincts by a million to, to be a true, like, all-star or anything like that. But his potential, like, and just the fact that he can guard so many different people. If he can hit, I, I don't know where he's at. He, I think he's about 35% on three coming in. Again, he started four for four. If he's hitting, I said if he hit 33% this year, that'd be a win. You'd say if he's hitting 35 or higher, that's that's pretty crazy. You can use him a lot more than you did a year ago in a lot more spots. So, again, it's game five. We're not going to go overboard on anything. But the fact that Otto did what he did and Ubre what he did was good. Um, one last thing, and then I'm going to let Adam go live life here and go to sleep. I, I have to keep. I feel like I have to keep reminding myself this. So I'll do it with you guys as well. When you're watching the second unit and you're like, oh, boy, what's going on here? Remember, Marquise Morris is not playing. He's a guy that played with the second unit a bunch last year. If Ubre is playing at this level and you have Markeith out there as the four, the five, and Jody Meeks is hitting threes the way he is, you know, even if they're still sorting out what to what to make of Tim Frazier, it's been a, it's been a little bumpy for sure uh, in some spots. And Mahimi has not looked good at all. But Mike Scott's been solid enough. And if you have Ubre, Mahimi, I'm sorry, Ubre, Morris, Meeks, Scott, I don't I didn't mention Jason Smith who didn't play tonight, but Jason Smith is obviously a guy. Right. You know that that's more than they had a year ago by a lot. Now again, you got to figure out some, still sort out some other things, and we'll see if Scott Brooks is willing to to sit Mahimi if it doesn't get better and go with Smith, or when Morris gets back, just go small. But all that is said, it's something to keep in mind that they're still missing thirty minutes of a guy who will help this second unit a lot. Well, as you've said off off the record that. You like to look at it as not so much the regular season because it looks like we are Washington will make it to the playoffs. You're looking for what can happen in the playoffs. How can you get rotation guys? Uh, I would agree that if you can, Mahimi is a major question mark. I'm being polite and calling him a question mark. Um, and the hope would be that Markeith could take 
some, if not all, of his minutes on the second unit. And, you know, you can play a little small. So I think when you throw Markeith in, then, yeah, they definitely have an eight- or nine-man rotation, which is much better even during the Bogdanovich time when they were sort of rolling. I think it's much better than they had uh, last year. So, you know, it's a small picture, small sample size takeaway, but it's those issues are about as good as you could hope. Now, the one thing is, though, yes, they blew the lead to the Lakers, blew the lead to Golden State. If that was a small sample size, you would say, okay, no big deal. But that is sort of the end game losing of late leads is something which is a continuation from last year. So that's, I mean, that's, it's nice to have a rotation and everything, but you still have to win the game. So that's an issue where if you really want to talk playoffs and what they could do eventually and what their ceiling is, that must change because you don't win a seven game series by blowing one or two games in the series. So that's one thing. So that Boston series, I mean, of all the games that were lost at game one and game two, they had those big leads early. Right, game one maybe you can dismiss a little because Morris got hurt, but but not yeah, but even but, but yeah, but, but yeah, but to lose those leads, you can't lose both. Yeah, yeah, you you gotta hold on to these things. Exactly. Uh, and, and last year we can blame the bench. That's totally fair in, in many ways. I wouldn't tonight. I mean, you know, again, they were shorthanded. They all you know, but Meeks played well enough. Um, you know, uh, Scott was reasonable. Yada yada yada. But anyway, it is what it is. I hate that term, especially in this case, because look, the Wizards. It was more than good job, good effort. I think by and large they played well. Uh, you know, yes, they definitely, there's some things they needed to clean up late. And, uh, you know, we can sort of point to each player other than maybe Otto and say they could have done this a little bit better. But regardless, uh, you know, it was fun, way better, way more entertaining than the Lakers game. Now one more game left on the road trip. Sacramento, same time as Redskins-Dallas, by the way. That is some bad yeah, timing. Sacramento is a three. I think the Sacramento game is like a six o'clock East game. Coast time. I think somebody told me. And the Wizard and the Redskins game goes at the 425. So that's a bad timing for some coverage. I may have to TiVo something. And since I play at the Redskins game, I guess it won't be the world. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's same so, thing as Monday night. Same thing happened Monday I, night. I'll be really excited when they're off this road trip. I, I, I'm not – it's too early for me. Maybe it's not the players that's not too early for them. It's too early for me. It's been a long week, a, a long weekend already. Yeah, 10, uh, A long week, that is. 10.30 starts were tough, and especially with the Redskins on Monday night too. So that gave you, you know, three nights of – three late nights. Yeah, it's been it's been a chore. All right, it's never a chore talking to you. Appreciate it, Mr. Rubin. Go follow him on Twitter, at Liddell's Place. You can follow me, at Ben Standing. Oh, and, uh, you know, it, for those of you who I said this the other day, but we've now, with the podcast, they, they switched us from Audio Boom to Panoply. Hope it works out for the best, but if you're an RSS person, I put up the um, the feed on the at Locked on Wizards podcast, or tweet, uh, Twitter thing, so you can check it out there or email me and I'll send it to you. All right? Cool. Until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.